Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films podcast. We are back. Uh, this is Rahul Desai, a film critic with Film Companion. I have with me my uh, good friend and the mint uh, film critic Uday Bhatia. Um, yeah, we've not done this for a while. I was away. I was on vacation. Uh, uh, and uh, <clears throat> obviously Uday um, couldn't do this on his own. He needs me very badly for this. Uh, so we are, uh, and there are a bunch of films I was also meaning to catch up on uh, the ones that I missed uh, while I was away. We will come to that later. But for today, we are going to be discussing uh, arguably two of our favorite films of the year so far. Um, none of them are Hindi films, not surprisingly. Uh, we are going to be talking about the French film Athena. And of course, the film everyone is talking about or was talking about a month ago, everything everywhere all at once um we will start with athena first uh, i just watched it just like yesterday so it's really fresh in my mind uh, i was getting mild fomo when i was away uh, while i was traveling i was looking at twitter everyone's talking about this film called athena i had no idea what language it was i had no idea and once i saw this tweet about athena i was like maybe it's a black and white french film i was half right it was french and uh, but it uh, it turned out to be um, entirely something else we'll talk about it now we'll discuss it now it did uh, it did make a splash at venice film festival from what i read um and um, yeah we, we'll get into it now there a few lines about athena and uh, you know thanks for the echo and i'm glad we're going to be discussing both of these today because you know um, there's so much to talk about yeah i've i've been especially athena i've been pushing people like whoever i know can would be interested i've been kind of trying to get them to see it because everything everywhere kind of came with its own uh, like great word of mouth to our shores and uh, like it released in 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 cinemas out here which i guess no one was expecting because most people would have probably seen it uh, online those who were interested but uh, i kind of through some foolishness held out and it did release in the hall so i feel very vindicated by that uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. by that uh, kind of abstinence uh, but yeah athena first i mean uh, what a crazy film uh, I uh, I just I I would um, suggest you go into it if you're interested. Like Rahul went into it, uh, just um, you know go in blind. Don't read up on it too much. Definitely don't watch the making because the real fun of watching the making of the film is after you've seen the film. And uh, yeah, just just go into it blind, and it's uh, it's really something. I mean, and just try and watch it on whatever biggest screen you have at home. uh because you know it's absolutely worth it so the the uh, the film is set in a uh, in a uh, bolu uh, uh, in uh, french the working class neighborhood uh, mostly uh, a, an immigrant or uh, um, you know immigrant descent population and uh, it basically the triggering incident uh, which we learn of almost immediately after the film starts is the killing of a young man uh, named idir and uh, his uh, his brother is a policeman abdel uh, and uh, he is uh, he almost immediately gives a press conference in which he confirms the death of his brother and the uh, the rumor is that the people who killed him were policemen 
or um, uh, or at least people dressed as policemen and um, uh, almost immediately after that and remember this is a uh, a, a, a one take shot that goes on for 12 minutes which we will talk about also for 12 minutes i guess uh, the uh, the camera pans from abdul as he's talking to uh, his brother karim uh, who's out there uh, and karim lobs a molotov cocktail uh, uh, into the crowd and uh, then with his uh, with his friends from from their neighborhood they then go and uh, loot the the police station and pick up some arms and uh, and uniforms and then they head back and all of this is happening in one take it is just unbelievable and uh, they get on to uh, get they get into their vans and on their bikes and they uh, drive back to their um, to the neighborhood which is called athena uh, who also uh, the uh, greek goddess of uh, warfare yeah that's um, that's pretty much the first 12 minutes of the film and uh, actually everything you need to know about the film is in those 12 minutes because what follows later is basically one way to put it is all hell breaks loose there's rioting in athena it's spreading to other parts of the country we learn this through you know sort of news clippets in the background uh, always you know always incidental to what's happening on screen um, you know we, we learn of the the leader of these rioters karim which is, who's one of the brothers of the of the 13 year old boy who was slain idir um we learn that he is the you know he's the leader of the rioters we learn abdel who is part of the full police force and he's sort of torn between obviously <clears throat> he's trying to sort of subdue his brother on one end he's he's torn between loyalties in a way uh, he, he apparently represents the enemy to his brother so it's a nice little clash of ideologies in that sense and there is also a third sibling who's a drug dealer he is on his own trip you know he has to get his he has to bury his drug he's he's doing his own thing uh probably the most selfish of the lot we we learn later that you know that he's sort of a half brother um and uh, and that's that's about it like for the next uh, one hour and 20 minutes or so uh it is almost non stop uh, action and there are a bunch of long takes it's not just the first 12 minutes right. um and and you know you obviously realize while you're watching the film why there are so many long takes and why they chose why the why the filmmakers chose to sort of make it that way i mean one way even when i was watching it i was like okay this is amazing that they they're managing to pull all of this off in 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 one take and without any vfx without any uh, sort of gimmickry uh, on the side and uh, you realize that and of course if you watch the making later you realize you would hear the director himself say it also that you know he wanted to make it look uh, sort of almost real time because this happens over a period of 24 hours Uh, the writing escalates so he wanted to portray the unity of time in a way uh, which is great which is great on paper but to sort of pull it off the way uh, the way you know athena does i'm not seen something like it in recent memory and we you know we are in the era of long shot sequences in a way you know it's far more common than it used to be say 15 or 20 years ago so it's it's not like it can be a gimmick anymore there has to be more to it than that and there is great reason for the style that they have chosen you know a lot of people may dismiss it as a gimmick or as too stylistic but 
but as Uday said, you know, it's it's Athena. It's there's it's he's designed it like a Greek tragedy. Obviously, um, the the soundtrack is very much um, you know evokes the same feeling. Uh, it's all choir and electronica, uh, and and it's just I found it fascinating because at some point the long takes that we are talking about and which is the USP of the film also. Um, they tend to melt away in the sense you stop noticing them because of how high energy the film is itself, because of how in the moment the film is. And that in turn sort of evokes that feeling where you stop, whether whether entire sort of illusion of filmmaking itself is taken away. And that is the entire purpose of uh, sort of uh, exploring what is essentially a riot escalating into a civil war. Um, and that's as close to life as you can get, right? Like it's 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 not like it, it's somewhat what you know. It's somewhat uh, like the war film. I think nineteen uh, seventeen. Nine, yeah. uh, nineteen seventeen. Uh, Try to pull off as well. Of course, it wasn't actually yeah. one take. There, there are a bunch of uh, takes stitched together very seamlessly. But the philosophy is more or less the same. Uh, at least that's what I felt, and I'm. Like most, you know, like most cinephiles, I think even I'm a sucker for, uh, you know, how filmmakers manage to craft these takes and how they, but now I've started to realize also that why they do it is probably more essential to, uh, to you know, the vision of a film. And Athena, I, I, I've never seen um, the craft and the storytelling sort of really converge uh, and and sort of the marriage happened so seamlessly as I did in Athena. It's it's interesting you mentioned 1917 because I mean that it is a very impressive film on a technical level, but I was never able to kind of drop the the idea of a technical level when I was watching it. Like I was very conscious that they are going for this big idea, which is like the seamless one take sort of thing. And uh, out here, uh, like like you said, for me, it kind of melted away after a bit. I just, I, I did not, uh, I mean, it was still there, of course, and, and you could you could feel it at times, but just, it, just the intensity of, of what was happening on screen and, and the kind of emotionality of it uh, took, took that, you know, sort of cold technical bit out of the equation. For yeah. me, which was which was great, and uh, I I just it's it, it it has become like a thing that so many people do now that you're right you can't just do it and expect that you know that is the whole point of a film or an episode or something um, it, it there has to be a reason for doing it now same same as you know I I feel that there has to be a reason for a film to be in black and white. If you're yeah. making it in the modern day, or you know any any reason like you know any any kind of thing like that, which could just become a gimmick if that is the whole point. Mm. Uh, it uh, one more uh, thing that I I, I found really uh, interesting, and and we'll I, I just uh, you know talk about the making of Athena, which is uh, on uh, on YouTube, uh, and it's very nice making of documentary actually about uh, half an hour or so. And in that, uh, uh, Roman uh, Gavras, the the director, uh, he uh, he mentions something else. I mean, he he mentions unity of time, and uh, which is uh, useful for his story because it's all happening in this 
sort of one chaotic uh, uh, night. Uh, and um, the, he also mentions that when you're doing a, a, a sort of one take kind of thing or many one takes, it kind of pulls the everyone on the on the production together in a sense that everyone has a shared purpose and there's this intensity because everyone knows that they have to get it right. So whereas, you know, if you were kind of doing many takes of, of something and they were shorter scenes, people might be able to relax. This way, everything was very focused and um, it kind of made sense and it reminded me also something that uh, Sriram Raghavan had told me in an interview when I'd asked him about, you know, in, in Agent Vinod, there's that, the Rapta song, that's done in one take. And I was asking him because that had reminded me of like, uh, uh, of, of like these old gunfights, like these John Woo gunfights and stuff like that. And he had said that, uh, you know, that, that that was something that he had heard another director say, um, that, you know, the, the uh, when your crew is not looking focused or when they're like sort of everyone's doing their own thing and you want to get them together, do a, like these extended uh, scenes without any cuts because then everyone has to focus, everyone has to come together, which I thought is really cool because, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of like a, a way of getting your own production uh, firing at a level that it's not simply by something as simple as that, you know, we've got to do this complicated scene without, you know, uh, not in a bunch of uh, 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 cuts, but like in, in one go. Yeah, I mean, that's also, yeah, it was so fascinating to hear, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, obviously, <clears throat> while watching the making, you realize just to what lengths of planning and rehearsals any sort of crew has to go through or even to visualize these things within this little council neighborhood that they are shooting in. And, and, and you know, they, they included members of the community as well, which was nice to see in the making. Uh, uh, and, you know, just to see... Uh, just to what extent you can go to realize sort of not just human imagination as such, but they are more or less uh, sort of recreating a sense of reality, which is, you know, the purpose of films like this or genres like this. And for me, like th that's for us when we watch films like this, uh, we obviously became, so, we become so conscious of the craft, right? Like I, when I started watching the film, I wasn't aware that it's going to start with a 12-minute sequence, uh, one take. And, you know, I went in blind and I wasn't even aware of the plot. I was like, what is happening? Whose brother is who? How can there be so many brothers? How is everyone a brother? Uh, and and then, you know, much later, midway through the film, uh, you know, I saw this, saw the, like, uh, the one-line description on Netflix, which is basically the three siblings... Uh, are mm -hmm. sort of reacting to the death of a fourth sibling. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that that that's fine. That makes sense. But I wouldn't have uh, minded it if I didn't understand that either. Because, you know, it was... By then, it was, I was, it was so immersive in a way. Because I feel like films like this, or whether you want to call it action thriller or whatever it is, um, like in the moment filmmaking like this, where the filmmaker wants to put you right bang in between a war, or in between a riot, or in between something that is escalating in a point of history, uh, at the epicenter of an earthquake, so to say. Uh, I feel like films like this often tend to get carried away, um, saying that, okay, you know, here's how we made it, and here's what, here's the hell we went through to, to present what we did. Uh, uh, but there's 
more often than not no greater meaning to what is happening what i appreciated about this film is like even though we are seeing only one night or half a night in in terms of how this war is escalating and how brothers of different ideologies are reacting to uh, the death of a loved one uh, you're actually also seeing the back story um, play out in a way and you're also actually seeing the future play out in a way because normally you'd see flashbacks or uh, <coughs> or something like uh, you know there are money shots in films like this where where yeah. you where you see the 13 year old die and then see the reaction of the family right like that yeah. is yeah. emotion hook in most of these films um we don't see the 13 year old die till the end of the film that too in very vague footage we see uh, where it's revealed yeah. like more or less who killed him and uh, uh, but throughout the running time of this film you have a great sense of how someone like abdel who's the police officer <coughs> who's on um, who's sort of on the uh, on the fence about where he stands uh, you sort of have an idea of how he might have reacted to to the death of his uh, younger brother and and the same with karim who is you know fashioned like this jesus christ like character with his sort of long flowing hair and him him leading this riot and him leading this um this sort of uh, entire um, you know onset of violence it, it, it was fascinating to see because you had you had a very clear idea of how he might have reacted because a few days have passed since the death has happened the police has been accused of it and in these in this age of police brutality all over the world and the way the police abuse it or the way it makes its news or the way we are aware of what's been happening uh, i thought it was very smart of the film to make this sort of a conflict between uh, between you know the rioters and uh the police force who come to subdue the rioters and and uh, uh, the way you know someone like karim who is the leader uh, uh, sort of goes unhinged and decides to like put everything on the police because obviously blaming the administration in this time and age is the easiest thing to do and it is the most natural thing to do and i, I found it fascinating because you get such a good idea of what might have transpired in the week leading up to this you don't need to see it you keep hearing news flashes yeah, yeah. or you keep hearing things like that but you uh, but this lets the viewer make their own film in their head and I, what this uh, and that's a great thing to do and you know uh, you you get a lot of clues just from these news reports that are going on in the background that you wouldn't even be paying attention to because there's like always something interesting happening on screen but these news reports are giving out like these little nuggets like it's it's not like the, it's not an isolated incident this is the third incident of police brutality in two months so you know they're already on edge there's there's a reason why they're already so angry it's not just this one thing it's like many incident you know incidents of pro- police brutality and uh, just little things like you know that uh, that uh, abdul uh, was uh, ha- has served in the military also so he's not just a administration a representative of the administration in in karim's eyes for being in the police but he was also in the army and uh, so um, there's there's that also and um, their grandfather was uh, uh, also in the army in french army and he fought in algiers they're, they're all of algerian descent and uh, that has its own connotations because you know the the french were in algiers and there was of course this uh, you know the the uprising and uh, they they uh, you know they were eventually forced out 
and it, it it's so there are all these like uh, you have to kind of piece together what their family history might have been like and what these uh, brothers might have been like in their conversations uh, you know in in the years and months leading up to this incident because there's so much history there and there's so much like going on which we only get fragments of and i think that's a very um, sort of i i think that's a very refreshing way to do it uh, mm. in the sense that you know a, a lesser film would have made these things uh, uh, very explicit and instead they're just there for the people who want to like hear them you know and and for the people who don't it's just they just uh, it's just background noise uh, which is quite amazing yeah like even the way the mother reacts right like when she is yes. leaving uh yeah. and she is telling you know one son that take care of the other one he's a bit yeah. fragile she's actually talking about the leader of the entire riot so yeah uh, yeah 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 I, so that, oh that was such a heartbreaking scene man i yeah. just like oh when she says he's so fragile and it's it's amazing because you know uh, he does look fragile yeah, yeah he has a very sensitive looking face he yeah. has a very pained voice so you know you can you can tell why his mother thinks he is fragile uh but uh, yeah and but, but she's talking about the person who's sort of orchestrating the whole uh, you know uh, revolution or, or riot uh, and uh, just it's it's also amazing that uh, uh, sami sliman uh, yeah. who plays yeah. kareem is is a first time actor like can you believe that <laughs> and that's such great casting right when you're talking about how sensitive his face is or how sort of almost unassuming he looks uh, and someone like who wouldn't be capable of doing something like this but precisely why he looks all the more haunted and sinister at the helm of all this it's just great because you know you know that he is capable of going the most unhinged he's the capable of trying the maximum also because he's a first time actor and he's the capable of being most vulnerable and we see that in the making how they get the performance out of him in some scenes which is really brutal to watch to be honest but uh, <clears throat> just to see uh, how this how the storytelling extends to the casting as well and and it did half the job right like the casting of someone like him as uh, as uh, you know karim it, it really and the way he was sort of filmed uh, always from behind his long flowing hair sort of always uh, you know making a statement entering before he does in a way uh we've seen that so often in in so many movies the way villains are framed or the way sort of villains enter the room say something as simple as joker entering the room in dark knight his first sequence we always see filmmakers sort of go for that but here uh, you don't really know who's uh, you know you, you know for a fact that everyone's fighting against an unseen villain and and that's uh, and you're you're basically thrown bang in the center of sort of communal uh of sort of communal harm, uh, sort of violence but uh, you also know you're also vaguely aware of the context and for anyone you know who's even mildly read about france in the recent years or who's even been there or visited there uh you might you know sort of get a vague idea of where this is coming from and how uh, just very sort of slightly in the background one of the news Uh, the news channels keep mentioning that you know even a right wing outfit a radical right wing sort of outfit is behind uh, may have been behind the killing of the boy uh, but at the same time you know the guys don't discuss they everyone discuss the police so it's on them so it's it's just i thought it was just done very uh, sort of 
very perceptively because you I, I read a little bit of the criticism that it got at Venice whatever few reviewers didn't like the film were basically saying it doesn't do justice to its deeper themes or that it's too stylized but you know on the contrary I'd like to argue that the deeper themes are sort of they lie in the eyes of the beholder right like it's it's just because of how we are imagining the film that we don't see uh, because of the film that we are seeing and because of such a mercurial film that we are seeing is is really magical because uh, not a lot of filmmakers manage to do that by just making an action thriller which is just uh, replete with so much technique and with so much daring uh, and, and you know i found that I, I i you know i admire films like that more than most yeah and and i'll say again the subtext is really there uh, for people who want to get it it's it's like it's it's absolutely provided and you just have to be like looking uh, kind of carefully for uh, for stuff even someone had pointed out uh, on uh, yeah, you remember that guy who asked for a cigarette right in the opening scene yeah. in the uh, uh, like that man who who looks also algerian in descent and uh, um, uh, uh, karim says no not now and then like some 10 minutes later in the film he runs up uh, to him uh, and uh, he actually gets a cigarette from them and someone was like you know this it's a very small thing but the fact that you know uh, just you know it, it shows you the kind of people that kareem trusts and will interact with and who he's kind with and the ones whom he will just dismiss uh, immediately so there are all these like little details it's it's a very carefully made film uh it's not just like this sort of uh, a lot of people talked about the um like the the stylization and all that and i'm all for it i mean you uh, if you want to draw people in you want people to watch your film uh, mm. I, i have absolutely zero issues with people making it the most uh you know uh, the, the the most eye catching film that they can if they think that you know that is uh, what works for their story and that is what will get people to watch the film uh, it's uh, I, i i don't i'm not very big on this whole uh, gets buried under style kind of thing especially because you know films that you know people say gets buried under style about 10 or 20 years later such films are nearly always regarded very highly because yeah. by then people have kind of caught up with the techniques that are being used and they they just don't see it like that and, and there are like hundreds of uh, 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 films that are uh, uh, very politically charged uh, or deal with very you know uh, uh, themes uh, that are very serious which are also extremely stylized and they've gone down as classics now uh, one by of course uh, romain gabras's dad Costa Gavras, which is Z, which is like directed down to like the minutest shot. Battle of Algiers, which came around that same time, which is a very interesting uh, sort of um, uh, double bill with Athena, I think, because it shows uh, the French uh, or a section of the at least the, the French authority, but in another country again, like sort of waging urban warfare and and laying siege to uh, a population that does not uh, consider itself the same as as the ruling powers. So yeah, there's I I feel that there is enough subtext for people who actually want to catch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm you're right. 
and and it's just also um, i mean the, even the way they use sort of the perspective of this boyish police officer right like out of the there are obviously three siblings at different ends of the spectrum in this film but there's also very early on we also like one of the long take sort of sequences deals with like the journey of this police officer who is part of the force that is been dispatched to deal with this riot in this suburb uh, and you know for those who are watching very early on you you maybe feel because we are conditioned to watch uh, <clears throat> because we are conditioned to watch certain kinds of films which have clear conflicts and resolutions um as soon as you start realize as soon as you realize that the camera is also on this one police officer and even his journey through this riot navigating this riot uh and how he gets captured by the rioters uh eventually and you know he gets sort of uh involved in the whole thing um very early on you start to suspect that okay maybe the filmmaker or the writers are doing this because maybe this was the police officer responsible for the killing of the 13 year old kid that yeah, kicks yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that was my first suspicion when i uh, i was like who is this police officer and why is the film interested in him i was like okay so till midway through the film i thought that okay this is um, this is the guy who was inadvertently or not behind the killing of the behind the murder of the kid but then midway through when he gets captured by the rioters uh, and is held hostage um, that's when i realized okay it's definitely not that it is just simply another perspective uh, that covers a basically a <clears throat> more sort of uh, almost like a 360 view of the entire uh, of the entire incident and of the uh, and of the aftermath and i found that very smart in a way also because you know it didn't take the simplistic way out it is never as simple as that why why in the world would you show us anyways what the police officer is going through because uh, uh, you know right till the end it stops mattering by the end who did it uh, because of what has transpired after that so you know i thought that was pretty nifty of the screenwriting to sort of put that police angle in and let us sort of draw our own conclusions and let us sort of battle with the film on on you know on a very intellectual level and just for the uh, practical effect of then we you know you get to see uh, the siege and the 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 way they storm athena from the police's uh, angle because abdul is not um, uh, is not um, kind of participating in that um like he's uh, he he's sort of just he's basically figuring out where his uh, loyalties lie uh, through the film it's a, in some very wrenching scenes he's trying to get people out of the building and he's out of the complex and he's trying to reason with kareem uh, which of course does not uh, work well at all and uh, it's uh, it, it, he's just kind of, and uh, there are um you know the the things that happen and uh, it becomes tougher and tougher for him to kind of be a, a a neutral sort of presence out here trying to stop the violence because you know it, it, his it is his brother who's died in the end and uh, it's just uh, things kind of keep boiling up and it's quite amazing uh, word also for uh, uh, dali bensala who plays abdul i thought quite brilliantly he has this sort of uh, uh coiled 
uh, thing intensity and uh, it just remains inside until it sort of explodes uh, later yeah. on in the film and uh, i absolutely did not remember that he was uh, uh, the assassin in the in the james bond film in the last james bond film primo oh. uh, he <laughs> he played him and i remembered yeah. when i i saw uh, uh, photos from the film uh, later on but i absolutely did not remember when i was watching this that i'd seen him in that and i thought he was very good in that like I, I, as that assassin yeah i i actually it didn't occur to me at all because obviously <clears throat> i mean the way you know i'm glad you brought him up because obviously even you know in the making when you watch it you know he's the more sort of veteran actor or a more experienced actor compared to the others in the film uh, and the, especially the way he speaks about his craft or the way he speaks about his role you know a word on the performances in general in these action one take films because we tend to um we tend to overlook the acting because of the craft at hand because of the director the way he's made the film uh, because of the risks that have been taken by the cinematographer by by everyone involved we we tend to just take the acting a lot of the acting for granted but uh, one thing is obviously watching the making you'll realize how difficult it is secondly is you watch the film itself and you realize that a lot of scenes a lot of transformation scenes that we see in abdel which uh, they was talking about like um, the the basically that coiled up tension that eventually explodes or uh, that that entire transformation that a character tends to go through over the course of a film over the course of a journey uh, it's often normally um, expressed through you know a fair bit of editing a fair bit of sort of time lapsing a fair bit of uh, you know in general a fair bit of narrative posturing you know that's where the craft of filmmaking takes over the music changes the scene changes the location changes uh, you get a feeling of time passing but a lot of the transformations in this film are all done in the same take which is which i found amazing because there are there's violence happening at one end of the neighborhood and then you see someone like karim sort of run to the other end spend a few quiet moments in a room or 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 reflect on something or feel or maybe take a call of his mother and tell her that you know he loves her um uh, and then you can almost see the character almost escalate uh, emotionally like 30 seconds later is back into the violence and like throwing is also you can actually see how human beings think in real time and how transformations are not always um say the you know always expressed in one particular way through storytelling it can be done within the same flow and that's what tends to happen in real life as well we are sitting in a room right now feeling bad about something 2 minutes later maybe we are downstairs working out hard to you know to sort of jog off the tension or to or, or to jog off all the anger that we are feeling that's how lot of us deal with our setbacks and our tragedies and our conflict in our heads and our turmoil and it all happens in one flow we just don't realize it only when later we look back on it as a memory it feels like a film or it feels edited you don't remember every single second of it i feel that's the greatness of a film like this because uh it doesn't make it look like the characters are looking back on their own conflict or or this is how it doesn't let the viewer also look at their conflict like that it makes us confront how the language of you know of something like a transformation is or something like say the most definitive moment of our life can be 
it happens in continuity and that continuity is often uh, sort of compromised in the process of filmmaking and i felt like that was great because it made us made me think of how we process uh, setbacks in our own lives and how we tend to edit out very convenient portions of a of a day of a night that we are going through hell and then when we look back on it later it doesn't feel as potent but here it does this is absolutely this is absolutely the specific power of this film i think that that it gains from being so much in the moment and also how much things can unravel uh, really quickly like just by like certain decisions like uh, there's that character sebastian a really yeah. uh, really interesting character whom you know it's uh, he's the most dangerous guy apparently in in that whole complex but he also yeah. seems like the most simplest guy like he seems like childlike in the beginning where and they literally like uh, 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 abdul and uh, another man they take him and they put him in like a uh, in like a classroom Uh, surrounded by all these learning things by uh, you know and and they lock him in uh, and uh, it i was wondering at that time is it like for his own safety or is it for the safety of everyone around and then later in the film we find out that it was actually for everyone else's safety when sebastian has to get like is is involved in things and it's just like small things like that uh, just little decisions that we see play out uh in real time or almost in real time as in they they you know we see their repercussions uh, uh very soon after the the fact and I, i think that's also really fascinating in this film one correction i'm making on uh, on myself i think maybe uh, uh, abdul uh, i thought had come back from the army and joined the police but I, uh, it, it seems that he he may just have just come back from his uh, term abroad in the army and may not be a member of the police not too important but yeah i i think maybe he's just an army guy yeah and and you know like not enough can be obviously said about the you know the sort of the way the film sounds as well right like <clears throat> the yeah. the sort of greek tragedy that the director talks about and the way he infuses sort of this choir like uh intensity into the most uh into the most outrageously composed action sequences i've seen in a while uh, and they aren't i don't even feel like calling them action sequences they're very reductive in a way because it, it does it does feel like um a lot of it does feel like um the greatness of good sequences like this is that uh, they don't feel as rehearsed as they might have been uh, yeah. and yeah. you can see uh, characters like karim just sort of barrel themselves into a crowd right that means they aren't trained enough to deal with these things they they probably planned well they probably planned to take this you know to the the siege in general and they planned how to take over the neighborhood and spread the message on you know however they plan to spread the message but a lot of it is chaos and a lot of riots are chaos they are carried out by ordinary people who just who just want um, a medium to vent and that is the feeling you get when you see the action in, <coughs> in a film like this because uh, they are at the core um, they are at the core really venting and it just happens to be physical the guns in their arms the gun the guns in their hands aren't really an extension of who they are they are, you don't get a feeling that they've trained for this all their lives 
you don't get a feeling that it's been elaborately planned it's just they are doing things and it's just happening and some of the visuals some of the images that come out of it are stunning like especially <coughs> i'm sure even it's going to be the it's going to be a talking point you know over the years especially that sequence where the police form a shield when they are surrounded by by the rioters <coughs> in the middle of the complex uh, at the dead of night um, yeah. it's just the way that sequence escalates and the way the camera sort of captures it and and it is such a symbolic iconic uh, sort of image and you probably seen it everywhere you know in in sort of mythology in 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 marvel films in everywhere but the way it just happens here and the way the camera sort of snakes out to show us how it actually looks from a macro point of view is just stunning i i completely agree and uh, the music will throw you a bit uh, it's certainly the one thing that i think a lot of the people who didn't like the film criticized uh, because it's sort of choir music and uh, there's a bit of sim- symphonic stuff also but it's mostly like just like uh, choir music and it has greek lyrics and uh, i don't know it's it 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 does uh, for me it kind of worked even though it's it's uh, unusual but it 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 lends this sort of a uh, slightly mythological qual- quality to the proceedings uh, which uh, uh, sort of um, without laboring the whole greek tragedy thing i think this is the closest that it comes to saying that uh, you know that this is uh, an element of of uh, sort of um, uh, greek tragedy happening out here also because it 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 has and and the the scene where the uh, the uh the police are storming athena at night uh that has a kind of low rumbling kind of uh, uh, chorus which uh, which is amazing i mean they they could have scored that with you know your uh, hans zimmer kind of regular music and it would have been fine but i remember the music in this and i don't think i'll forget like wh- uh, how how the music sounds in this because it's so strange and it's it's so unusual to hear that kind of thing uh in 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 any film now yeah um yeah i mean that's pretty much about athena is there anything else you'd like to add uh, of course we can go on talking about this forever because there's no dearth of material here but it's just that kind of film so but you know for those of you who haven't watched it <clears throat> go forth because uh um and just one thing before we end uh, end at least athena discussion um were you on board with the last scene of the film uh do you mean before we find out what happened to the, the uh, no kid, or when they show us what happened basically the fact that they make the decision to show us um what happened to the 13 year old uh yeah i i was it kind of reminded me what uh, kashyap did in in black friday uh, yeah. but um, i think out here it was even more potent than that really because it it kind of took that one incident out of uh, the equation a little bit in the in the sense that it it didn't make things easy for the viewer that you know if you if you had seen that right at the start it, your sympathies would have been uh, absolutely in in one direction overwhelmingly anyways the sympathies i am guessing are 
largely going to be in the direction of of Kareem and and the rioters. But mm. uh, to kind of put it right at the end, it's like you know, uh, it's just that this is one incident. There are so many others like it, probably which we haven't seen. And anyways, there is this huge anger that obviously just does not come from this one killing. There is so much here to kind of address. So yeah, yeah. For me, I I I was I was I was yeah quite okay with it coming where it did in this in the film. Yeah, I agree with that because you know even I I mean I sort of saw it. I expected it to come in the end and. I'm glad they didn't sort of, you know, resort to any. I mean, they could have easily been like, okay, it was actually the cop who did it because a lesser film might have done that. The cop uh, but was, it's uh, captured. Just, yeah, the cop just, was captured just, because eventually, yeah. yeah, eventually he gets away, and yeah. I mean, or he is allowed to get away. So you feel that okay, uh, you know, sort of a cheap thriller might have done that, and we realize how sort of accustomed we are to watching thrillers like right. that. But I'm glad for me. Sort of a more universal statement about how this is happening, even as we speak in every country, uh, probably including our own. And uh, yeah, and and that's also another question: uh, did, did this film at any point um, remind you of Deepan? Deepan, that's an interesting one. No, it didn't. Uh, I I can now think back, and yeah, there is thing, but it it did remind me of. Uh, of children of men for sure yeah and yeah. of lahain uh, which is yeah. uh, again like similar setting and uh, there's the film by uh, the writer of, of this film uh, largely yeah. uh, which yeah. is le mizrab uh, yeah. which also kind of it it has um, you mm. know a similar kind of anger to it uh, as this yeah. one so these films are definitely rattling around deepan not so much Yeah, I guess it was. <clears throat> I mean, more or less the sort of French suburban setting and the sort of onset of violence. At least the way it escalated, you know, throughout the film reminded me of the last like fifteen or twenty minutes of Deepan, which was like out of the world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lem, uh, you you you're right about the films that you um, mentioned as well, and it's it's really fascinating to see that so many films. uh like these are coming out of especially a region like france over the last say decade or so because uh <clears throat> because there's quite clearly sort of a correlation between uh what's happening between the artists uh, that sort of consume uh this kind of the kind of sort of conflict and environment that is there and you know compared to a lot of other countries you'd say that the french are obviously far more expressive artistically but it's very nice to see that you know there's so much um there's so much expressiveness in most of the artists and the filmmakers about politically about what's happening and culturally about what's happening a statement on you know on whatever on the immigration conflicts uh, and and france is probably the most fertile in that sense because there's so many contradictions in that country and there's also a right wing uprising there right now as we speak so It, it you know it's it's really nice to see that it is being sort of uh broadcasted to the world stage you know not all of us are sort of in that position to say that about our respective countries so so yeah i mean all in all i think um, you know that's that's probably why athena really hit home more than most other films and um, yeah and definitely watch it if you can we are going to now <clears throat> move on to the second film 
everything everywhere all at once again deserves a separate podcast but it on, it's only fair that we talk about like two of probably the most powerful films of the year in the same podcast um i watched it before just before going uh, on vacation last month and it, i'm very glad it was the last film i watched before going because it really i was jaded by then i was pretty sort of uh, tired in general i was also recovering from you know infection so that this film really energized me and really reminded me of what why we do what we do and this is just before going on a vacation so it was to me personally it meant a great deal that uh, i watched a film like this and it's very rare you get to watch films like this um, you know there um, few sort of lines about the film and about sort of how you went into and both of us watched it on the big screen so i'm very glad to report that we experienced the full force of the film listen i think you should do a few few lines for this i did it for athena oh no no that that just like not everything everywhere all at once <laughs> out of all the films in the world this is the last film i'd like to do a few lines on because how, even i how i don't even explain this i i can't even i can't wrap my head <laughs> Yeah, you can't even like. I'm not even sure the film uh, totally gets where it's coming from most of the time, which is the beauty of the film itself. But uh, yeah, just the setup before we get into why the film is as absurd as it is. Okay, uh, let me try. Um, so uh, Evelyn uh, is played by uh, the great Michelle Yeoh, is uh, uh, running a laundromat. Uh, with her husband, uh, um, it's called Waymond. Uh, they're uh, uh, they're in uh, in the U.S. and uh, they're uh, they are Chinese, uh, and uh, they have a daughter, um, Joy, and who's uh, brought over her girlfriend, who uh, they, her mother is having a tough time uh, accepting, and. Um, there's also uh, trouble with the uh, with the irs so um, evelyn and and waymond are uh, we see them go to the irs uh, office where uh, uh, one of the uh, officers played by jamie lee curtis is pointing out all kinds of irregularities and yeah. while these irregularities are being pointed out and actually even before when they are in the elevator uh, something uh, strange starts to happen uh, with with Evelyn, and that kind of changes the look of the film completely. Um, Rahul, would you like to take it from there? Something strange. How nice of you to to pass the baton when you say something strange, especially when you know how much we struggle to like. To like uh, really talk about a film during the reviews because like what the hell is going on in this film? Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean just like a few lines before we sort of get into the essence of the film, if there is one. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, basically, you know, during the meeting with the IRS, uh, something strange starts to happen as Uday so eloquently put it, and uh, uh, sort of Waymond's, uh, you know, Waymond personality changes it turns into something else it's the it turns into like a parallel universe film alternate universe film which uh, all of you marvel fans will be very familiar with um, uh, another waymond from another universe called alphaverse comes he starts to explain to evelyn that you know uh, there are a bunch of universes every decision leads to a different universe 
which is not something new or novel in 2022 but uh, you know the way the directors the daniels go about it i can assure you is is really unlike anything you've seen before so he explains to how there's a verse jumping technology how every you how you know sort of uh, evelyn can access all her different versions of herself in different universes gets the best get the best traits of each of them and sort of have to defeat this mega villain called jobu tupaki or something uh, which is a beautifully random name um who's also alpha who also happens to be a alpha version of their daughter joy um this is more or less what we see through the rest of the film it's basically evelyn you know trying her best to familiarize herself with this absurdity that's going on between universes she keeps accessing different evelyns in different universes and she realizes that she is actually the least successful evelyn possible like out of all the decisions that may have been taken out of all the evelyns that actually do exist she is probably the biggest failure of them because she is compromised as a chinese american immigrant uh, in in you know in america and she wants to impress her father and show to him that she succeeded on her own will but that that's not happened because her family is on the verge of breaking uh, her daughter doesn't relate to her husband wants to divorce her and the reality is very very bleak um, <clears throat> and the film is about the journey about their journey to some kind of enlightenment or to some uh, kind of resolution towards uh, the end i you know i mean that's pretty much the best i can do uh, it includes a bunch of things that you won't believe if we talk about it so it's best that you know we head on straight into the discussion now no no that was really good um, that that, that is, and i wouldn't have managed that uh it is very weird and it kind of i don't know if you can really understand it completely even if you watch it maybe like a second or third viewing might uh, might tie it all together for me but i was so happy to be kind of just swept up in this and it's just pure constant invention and a lot of silliness and it's so nice to see a film do that like you've seen you on the one hand you have like a kind of nolanesque sort of yeah. uh, uh setup which you know with all the multiverses and and one thing kind of having an effect on the other and these sort of butterfly effects rippling across these multiverses but it's also really silly like the other versions of evelyn they range from like more sedate ones like she's a famous actress uh and so on but there's also one in which uh, she's uh, she and Jamie Lee Curtis are a couple and uh, they have uh, the, these sort of uh, these hot dog like fingers everyone in the world has hot dog like fingers and uh, it's it, it's it's insane but they keep it up that's that's like a huge part you get like a bunch of scenes with these two people with hot dog fingers and there's another one in which uh, instead of um, you know a, a ratatouille there's a raccoon so it becomes raccoonie <laughs> and but that's actually someone's like lived reality out there uh, it's just I, i i i say these things aloud and it's it's ridiculous i i can't uh, <laughs> they, they they don't make sense except when you see them in the context of this film it's so quick and it just sort of moves along with so much like such a sense of fun and creativity 
that it's it's very difficult not to be uh, sort of swept along in it and um, it's uh, i i i actually have not till now watched swiss army man which is oh, the first film by the daniels which i know you're a fan of uh, yeah. <laughs> did that also have like this kind of same energy going uh, with it that was just the one of my most bizarre experiences in a theater i think i watched it at mami itself film festival back in the day and uh, yeah i mean i didn't see that one coming either because it was more or less a very very emotional romance almost that featured a farting corpse that swims across the ocean uh, i mean you know it sounds weird when i say it but i don't remember much about that film but i do remember what i felt and i did get very emotional at different parts of that film and i do remember while watching everything everywhere all at once i did not know that the daniels had directed this maybe till after the film when i started when i sat down and sort of was trying to deal with the magnitude of having to write a review about this film <laughs> that's when i realized that okay of course it's the daniels who else can it be it's just the commitment to being so out there and absurd and just throwing everything on the screen as uday was describing the different universes he's talking about there's also this thing called the everything bagel which is like this black hole kind of bagel that is supposed to destroy the multiverse uh, and it's created by this jobu tupaki who who is basically a version of the daughter that might have been created when the mother pushed her too far to 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 jump between to sort of jump between universes which is another way of saying that when when an immig- an asian immigrant family pushes their children too far which is a very very common thing uh not just in these countries that we live in but especially if you're an immigrant abroad uh just that um, pushing your children too far is uh, jobotebaki is a sort of a metaphor for what comes of that and how distant your daughter or your son or whoever it is how the next generation might be how they might resent you and how they might turn into this little monster like thing that wants to destroy everything that the family stands for and this rebellious sort of almost dissenting uh, uh, generation that takes over after that and embraces western culture or whatever you want to call it uh, i found it very enduring that uh, <clears throat> they use this kind of absurdist uh, sort of almost fantasy fairy tale language to convey such a simple small little truth that is basically uh <clears throat> how one generation grows more distant then uh, it reminded me of minari also in a way because you know that was the recent asian immigrant film in the us that that won a lot of plaudits a couple of years ago uh, and and if minari were made into a fantasy film this is i this i i'd wager this is how it would look if it were directed by the daniel because the truth at the center of the film is the same about how um, you know you're always in danger of pushing um, of sort of snapping the 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 sort of cord that keeps a family together especially when you uh, when you go through this this displacement that a lot of families all over the world go through when they when they go to, when they go to another country in search of in search of better in search of a better future or in in search of their dreams and uh, their dreams often sort of crash into this reality that we are seeing in this film <clears throat> so the fact that the mother uh, has to go through this absurd journey to to basically reconnect with her daughter and her husband as well as uh, sort of heal her relationship with her own demanding father 
I found the fact that we understood this after all that we watched in this film, which also includes two rocks speaking to each other through subtitles at one point <laughs> of time uh, next to the Grand Canyon or whatever, um, and you know communicating with each other, and the rocks are supposed to basically stand for the mother and the daughter rock. Uh, it's just ups. It's just bizarre that we even got to understand that. And there is a particular moment towards the end of the film where we, where it suddenly sort of just lashes over you as a viewer that this is what the film is, was always going, was always saying. This is what it was trying to say, and this is what it has maybe succeeded at saying in the most roundabout and most sort of delightfully whimsical way possible. Um, you know that 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 you know it, it is uh, always sort of down to uh, it is always down to not just solving a conflict that say a generational conflict between mother and daughter or mm-hmm. between uh, one generation and another you have to also deal with the history of that conflict and where it comes from and where you could have been and where uh, you, you basically are dealing with the entire bigger picture the entire legacy of a family and not only what a family is going through in that particular moment which so many movies make the mistake of actually uh, reading a conflict as we we only see what a film is about and not what led to that family in that film and this film, film comes closest to actually <clears throat> showing us that accumulation of agony and resentments and bitterness and successes and failures over the years uh, in this very bizarre way you know this is why i i like these uh, these conversations because i uh, i mean this it makes complete sense when you're like describing this reaction of yours to the film and but i i kind of just i didn't have a very uh, emotional reaction to the thing i i just had a on a on a sensory level and on a level of imagination i didn't find it particularly affecting uh though you know it 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 some of the moments are nice especially towards the end between uh, uh evelyn and joy uh, but it it never really struck me as that and it kind of uh, now i'm thinking about what you're saying and yeah it does make a lot of sense and uh, it actually uh, there was another film that came out recently uh, thalumala uh, which mm. is a malayalam uh, action film and even that i kind of didn't uh, really like uh, on a i mean you don't you don't feel too deeply for the characters in that but it's just such an inventive and such a fun film that uh, you get carried away in it and uh, i i uh, i felt that was similar out here uh, for me uh, i i it's one thing i i read up when i when I, after i'd seen the film and i thought that was very um, interesting was uh, uh, jackie chan was initially offered the the uh, the lead in this film as in it was supposed yeah. to be about a guy and they were like mm-hmm. uh, you know we should get jackie chan to star in it and he didn't have time and then they kind of rewrote it uh, for uh, michelle yo and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's difficult it's it's not difficult to imagine the film with jackie but it's sort of difficult to imagine it being the same kind of film because uh, look michelle yo is a huge star and is is quite well known uh, even outside uh, outside hong kong and outside china uh, because of you know so many f- 
film, Bond film that she's done and Crazy Rich Asians and Crouching Tiger and so on and so on and so on. Uh, and uh, but she doesn't with Jackie Chan, there's a sort of gravitational force which becomes almost uh, too much like every film is a Jackie Chan film. It's very difficult to tamp down the Jackie yeah. Chan in a Jackie Chan film. Uh, and it it might have just it, it might have overpowered the whimsy of of the Daniels a little bit, even though you think that like the the Jackie Chan comedy and the whimsy of of the Daniels might might be a good fit. But I feel that it might have kind of you know sort of maybe blunted a little bit of of the craziness. Uh, which they could have done simply by having Jackie Chan and, you know, then wanting to do Jackie Chan things because you've got him in your film. And it may not have quite been the same film. Yeah, for sure. Like, even I read about it later. And, uh, you know, the funny part is when I did see Waymond in the film, Kehu Kwan, the actor who played him, he very much resembled Jackie Chan, like the husband in the film, um, in, in a lot of sequences. And and I wondered for a while if it was actually uh, him and only to find out later that Jackie Chan was actually slated to play Michelle Michelle Yu's uh, role. And you are right that it would have been a very different film. Um, you know, I've seen Jackie Chan in a few, you know, dramatic Hollywood roles, say Karate Kid, some stuff like that. And he's, you know, and, and as most action stars, when they are given the chance to shine in more dramatic roles, they are you know, unusually affecting. So I'm, I'm not surprised that Michelle Yu, who's a great actress in her own uh, uh, right, has pulled this off. And and it's not just because of who she is, but it's, it's just because m- through most way of the film, you sort of forget, um, you forget the fact that, you know, it is a sort of a crossover in a sense. And it is that it is someone as big as Michelle Yu playing the film, uh, playing the mother in the film, playing the protagonist. And I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, the <clears throat> that she's, uh, that there's also an allusion to um, the sort of almost the legacy of, say, Chinese-American cinema or, or of, of the way uh, the West tends to sort of view Asian cinema, which is, there's a lot of kung fu in this film as well. Uh, uh, and and uh, the, in, in one of the universes, Michelle Yu is actually sort of a, uh, uh, you know, a kung fu expert or an action star or in a way. And uh, yeah, I found that really fascinating that it sort of covered all the bases uh, in that way without being too cheeky about it. I really love the fact that there was uh, the in the mood to love sort of track, uh, in the mood for love track, uh, where she's an actress and <clears throat> she goes through her own in the mood for love with with a parallel Waymond in a parallel uh, in a parallel universe. I found that really nicely and very enduringly done because, uh, you know, you don't often get to see these things done when they're not gimmicks. And you, I, same thing goes for the Ratatouille part as well because you think that, the you know, you think that, you know, the Daniels are doing the usual thing. But it's amazing that it all adds up for me towards the end because even I was pretty blown away. I went with the flow for most of the film like you did. And I was, I was, I was just blown away by the audacity uh, and the inventiveness of, say, mainstream cinema looking this way in a in some bizarre way. I didn't even recognize Jamie Lee Curtis till like midway into the film. <laughs> I mean, she was that good as the IRS inspector herself. And uh, and and that's the thing. Like, it, it, and the fact that it all 
at least for me you know if it sort of the way it just came together in one or two scenes towards the end really made me uh, you know as i said it really resonated on such a different level uh, not because i relate to it personally or anything because you know it, it's different for every person or i didn't see myself anywhere in any of the characters but i was just humbled by the fact that a film of this scale uh, can use scale um, in such an inventive way instead of just sort of trying to uh, numb the viewer into submission uh, can you scale to basically be a language of love and you know love is at the center of this film at the end of the day it is about a mother about a woman trying to reconnect with the rest of her family or trying to fix the rest of her family if in any other film you might have seen this it would have been a regular film about a woman running a laundromat chinese uh, an immigrant in america and then having a chinese new year party in the night and things coming to a head at that party right like with the daughter with the daughter's partner with the husband but the fact that this goes in every direction in the universe to eventually come come to that same particular conclusion also you know also reveals the power of filmmaking and the reveal power of storytelling and imagination and why filmmaking exists as well you know you can tell a story in so many different ways this is the most left of field way possible in the history of filmmaking and they went exactly for that without worrying about the consequences and i was also reminded of the pixar film inside out like because not just because the daughter was called joy or whatever it is because everything we see in inside out is something that's happening in the mind of a child right and that yeah, entire yeah. world is basically telling us how that child is going to react eventually on the out- we are not seeing how she reacts on the outside so much as what drives those re- those reactions and for me this the, the same logic works in this film as well we are just seeing uh, a family sort of find ways to reconnect but we are seeing what um, decisions they make and how uh, <clears throat> how decisions can be expressed in the most bizarre way possible uh, uh, and 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 you know in in sort of a fantasy universe how what drives those decisions and how maybe a family if given another chance can find a way uh to you know survive and i found it very moving in the end that you know the mother tells the daughter that she would have uh, lived no other evelyn uh, uh, if she had a choice to again this is the evelyn she would live even though she has so many regrets and so many resentments uh, it is also revealed that she ran away with her she eloped with her husband at one point of time defied her father that is why they were estranged for so many years the father is visiting during the film and the father also has a very key role to play in the entire parallel universe multiverse thing um yeah I, i'm just like i that's the thing about you know this film that you know you um, and that's what i even wanted to write or uh, maybe try to write in you know while i was trying to write the review that uh, that it's amazing that you go can go in so many million directions and then just be distilled down to one single common very familiar predictable truth and it's about telling that truth in a different way and because we've seen it so many films do it we just don't know we've run out of ways to do it but the but the daniels have shown that there are there is one more way to do such a thing it not only i mean it i, I think it's it's quickness and it's and it's boundless sort of imagination makes the other mainstream look even like slower than and yeah. and less inventive than it actually is which is you know already quite bad but 
you can see like the multiverse games that marvel is trying to play now with the spider-man films and and with the doctor strange film and uh, you compare that to this and it's like it's not they're not even they haven't they, they haven't done anything they they're not they 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 yeah. too scared to push their audience anywhere and but everything everywhere will just charge ahead and uh, yeah. it just asks you to kind of come along and uh, it it's not afraid to look silly and uh, it's not afraid to take huge chances and uh, it it pays off and it just it's it like you you wait for those films sometimes that make everything else look stupid uh not <laughs> stupid but just like slow and kind of lumbering and made by committee and uh, <laughs> there is no way that anybody but like very specific artists could make uh this film because it's it's just not something that uh, like a, a bunch of suits could agree on they would shoot down everything if if it wasn't and you know a24 does get uh, a, a, you know fun made of it for like producing very specific kinds of films but i'll uh, you know kudos to them for backing this and uh, mm. and especially when you know when they must have been given this idea they they probably went what 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 are you doing she she verse jumps what's verse jumping <laughs> why do they have hot dogs for fingers and you know all the questions which we are asking as the film is sort of charging forward and it's it's just i mean it's it's kind of a joy to have that and to get that you know experience in a hall is even more fun because that's the setting in which you see other films that use like the same broad tropes that are used out here but to very little effect and uh, it's it's like someone stronger uh, just, you know someone much less assuming coming and beating you on your own playground which is you know great to see yeah i mean how the hell did they pitch this like what do you say like that like you said what hot dog topping has what two rock speaking what how does it all go together and how do you verse jump by by doing something impulsive like by hurting yourself that that just it's just you can't you can't uh, you can't pitch these things you you just trust the filmmakers to do their thing and i'm guessing like uh, so isami man was almost like a <coughs> almost like a rehearsal for this uh, it was almost like the pitch for uh, to show what you know the daniels are capable of and and which which also includes um, the the sort of the courage to look silly as you said and uh, and you know the courage to um, which which really the superhero films the marvels and all they lack you know they are always scared of losing their audiences and mostly young audiences uh, they are always scared of losing them and at no point does everything everywhere all at once look um, you know reluctant or look uncommitted or look scared that oh shit people will stop getting us now there were so many points in the first one and a half hours where i just didn't understand what was going on and i was getting frustrated but i was like but does it amount to something and i was like yes eventually it did and eventually uh, it trusts the audience to really um, sort of go on a journey go on this bizarre flight to the moon and back and still understand that you live on earth and it's a great thing because it's it's it, it requires so much trust between the filmmaker and the viewer and it's it's the sort of trust that so many 
filmmakers have patronized and condescended on over the years and not least the superhero franchises which i which is why i find it also admirable that the russo brothers are producers on this right like yeah, they yeah. are the ones behind uh, the avengers and uh, behind all this multiverse stuff that started in the marvel universe as well and uh, i like the fact that they came on board for this because this is also in a way their admission of the fact that this is better than anything else they might have made or made accessible for younger audiences through their superhero nonsense and and i really uh, and i read somewhere that you know the daniels had come up with this a good 15 20 years ago and uh, the script that is and um, they panicked a bit when they started to see that uh, marvel tapped into the multiverse and started right. making these multiverse movies and they were like okay we need to get it done as soon as possible and i like it that you know the russo brothers sort of came on board and and or maybe they were on board already who knows and and that they sort of uh, committed to this film and knowing that this film has something in common with with what that universe represents but then this is just so much more original so much more daring and authentic than um, you know than anything else you can see uh, in 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 relation to sci-fi or time travel or time lag or whatever it is and it's just there's so many elements of so many filmmakers in this film uh, and so many kind of legacies in this film that you know you, uh, you you really at different points of the film feel very lucky to be seeing uh, something as something as out there as this and of course it's hit or miss of course not all the critics loved it of course not all the audiences will you know will agree to be swept away with the uh, the ingenuity and the, the the silliness of it all but uh, but that's up to the viewer right and i like films that leave it up to the viewer and aren't afraid to do that and you know that is pretty much how we can describe this film best and i think it kind of worked out for the film quite well even though it might have been a bit nerve wracking for the daniels to see other multiverses uh, you know uh, uh, multiverse films and and uh, television series sort of come about but uh, it does make sense uh, uh, i think for this film that you know it it, it that multiverses became a thing that uh, people sort of started talking about it in cinematic terms and like the public was a bit used to it so you know when this film comes around that's so wild and which takes so many chances with it they already have a vague idea of what a multiverse might be and then so you know it's it, at least they don't have to get into explaining Uh, yeah. what what that is so i think that sort of worked for this film uh, mm. pretty well i i just want to mention this uh, there's, there's only one other thing that i i, I remember that has this kind of like this sort of ability to take chances the yeah. uh, the kind of bold chances that everything everywhere did was this oh, i know what you're going to say now uh, have have you heard uh, have you watched this thing called legion the series called legion no, no. yeah you told me to watch it still i haven't watched it but but you did mention it uh, earlier as well yeah that was like a, i mean that was just subversion i thought on a really great scale because that is um kind of somewhere in the x men um, marvel sort of universe vaguely but it has no interest in being that kind of superhero series at all is bare, barely a superhero series anyways it's just an excuse for pure imagination so i, I yeah i just it, that was the last time i felt like 
Mm. Like with every episode, they were just taking so many chances, and the it it turned out the audience did not keep up with it. I think the first season there was a lot of talk about it, and everyone was in with it. And then by the second season, I think it had lost a lot of its yeah. viewers, and the very few people watched the third season. Uh, mm. But I thought they were all very rewarding right down till the end, and e- even in that, as in this film. things that seemed completely random did have like an emotional payoff but you just had to be kind of trust that they knew what they were doing uh so anyways shout out to legion which i am like a crazy fan of yeah no i have to admire your commitment to legion you've been talking about <laughs> it for years now and uh yeah even i haven't seen it yet and so i mean it's arguably harder to pull off in long form i'm guessing Uh, or to keep the audiences engaged over a period of time, what maybe have might have worked to the advantage of everything everywhere is the fact that it's one film and you know it's one experience, it's one um, thing that you have to watch and then deal with thinking about for the rest of your life, which is what's happening now. And and it's 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 nice that there are works like this out there, like Legion, as you said, like this. It reminded me very much of Cloud Atlas. I don't know if you've yeah yeah seen yeah. it. Sure. Yeah, like yeah, another sort of you know galaxy brain almost film, uh, <laughs> in a way that like trying to like basically taking everything everywhere into consideration and making something absurdly beautiful and poignant out of it. And you know, Cloud Atlas with its silly prosthetics and with its massive star cast and with its crazy scale, not just like physically but psychologically also. Um, I don't even remember what Cloud Atlas is about, but I do remember feeling uh, very like moved by the fact that a film like this dares to be uh, <clears throat> first of all got so many stars to believe in it and act in that film, and then be something like that. I think it was the Wachowskis were involved in that film. Uh, yeah, and and that was the also the last time I felt like so. Um, I felt it like I was so rewarded by a film that I didn't totally understand, but I still went with and still trusted, and mm-hmm. still was uh, rewarded for sort of just keeping the faith and and letting films do what they are supposed to do. And and you know I'm I'm glad that as you said you know we even get to talk about it later because it's been a couple of weeks at least since we've. we've seen the film or you know written about it or thought about it and <clears throat> i just returned to it today in the form of the the what the film is about or how to talk about it and it was it's really nice that it's coming back to me in spurts and uh, at least it's it's a more sort of distant view of how i felt maybe a couple of weeks ago and how i still feel about the film and how i will maybe a few years down the line and uh, yeah and it's nice that you know we can talk about it the you know the way we are right It's uh, speaking of the Wachowskis. Uh, it's uh, did you um, did you feel like this was kind of a hidden tribute uh, to the Matrix also because there there's just yeah. so many moments in it, especially in the earlier part where uh, where she's in the IRS office and then she's getting uh, uh, you know instructions uh, yeah. in, in her year. to do this go right go left and it's like it's completely like uh, new sort of recognizing like finding out about this whole other world and then this whole idea of uh, these skills that can be downloaded into people both yeah. you know we, uh, yeah. 
you know uh, and uh, uh, the also like these other people being used almost like the agents were in the matrix like normal people suddenly acquiring these uh, uh, abilities but like uh, working for jobu tupaki and um, yeah. yeah so the, I, I, there was just a lot of matrix um sort of uh, attributes here and there easter eggs and stuff yeah that's that's exactly what it is you know right like i mean there were so many there's so many tributes to matrix you're absolutely right about and and there's you know there's tarantino there's nolan there's a bunch of them uh, uh you know even clockwork orange for that matter so many of them and and that's what it is right like it it did feel eventually like a love letter to life uh in the language of say a love letter to the movies and and there was so much of cinephilia in the film itself uh that you can almost imagine um you know someone like someone like tarantino himself making something like this or 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 wanting to make something like this or or you know it it just speaks in that language that so much so many of us have grown up watching or so many of us have grown up uh, <clears throat> having our minds expanded by films like the matrix and by nolan's reading of time or by tarantino and and that's and that's what i admire so much like it's that 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 perfect marriage between life and cinema and to tell a story that is been told 100 times before but tell it in a way that has never been told before is it just it's something special and it's something unique so you know anything we say about it right now or whatever we've discussed in the last hour or so i mean i'd say we can't do justice to the experience of actually watching that film and we were fortunate enough to watch it on the big screen when it did come out for a week or so in the theaters here uh, and i'm glad we you know held out for that uh, and and <clears throat> wherever whenever you do plan to watch this film do try to watch it on the biggest screen possible uh, at your home if if possible and uh, and stay with the film if you can like don't take breaks and you know stay with the film and you'll be rewarded um, more likely than not <clears throat> is there anything else uh, there like no no film? that's uh, that's about it like it's uh, good to do a, an episode mm. about two films that we really liked i think uh, these <laughs> will these will be two of my favorites by the like even at the end of the year so yeah, yeah i uh, i think people should definitely catch up with these two um uh whenever they can yeah same here i think these two are going to be definitely right at the top of my list at the end of the year so you know both of us can't recommend it enough uh, do watch them whenever you can and uh, yeah do write in if you have any observation anything to add to this podcast everyone has a different way of reading a film what's beautiful about these films that you know they are made in a certain way but everyone's reading them differently and it's great and we love hearing about it as well so if you do do write in to us uh, you know contact us on twitter is the easiest way to get our attention there uh, and yeah and we love getting into any kind of discourse about these films that we love not often we get to discuss two films that we really like um, <clears throat> we will be all, all, all of course back to discussing a lot of you know current releases soon when they happen diwali is coming up um, and we, you know that's that's the job in general but we'll hopefully also do uh, episodes like this where we talk about not just current releases but stuff we love um, you know there's a spielberg film releasing next month uh, so let me just put it on record that we will be doing a spielberg podcast at some point before that so that now we are pressured to do it because otherwise we both are procrastinators and we'll just take it easy in a way so 
we now have the pressure to do that podcast as well and it'll be fun because both of us are i think you know very unabashed spielberg fan boys and uh, it's his memoir in a way that's coming out next month and it's obviously going to be an oscar favorite and all but that's incidental we look forward to doing that podcast in the near future and thank you for listening and you know we are back after a while we'll continue uh, till the end of the year as much as we can and uh, yeah thanks for <clears throat> putting up with my sort of coffee voice as well uh, i still haven't totally recovered which is bizarre uh, but yeah the movies are keeping us sane and thanks for listening and uday thanks for doing this conversation it was great fun as always and uh, and yeah take care and uh, till next time